Well, good morning, everyone. Um, greetings not from the pulpit of Grace and Peace uh, Presbyterian Church, but uh, from my living room. I trust all of you are well uh, today, wherever uh, you may be. Um, if you would, uh, please get out your Bibles and hopefully the uh, copy of the Heidelberg Catechism Question and Answer 1 that you got on email um, yesterday. And if you do have a Trinity hymnal, um, try to have that out as well. In fact, this week I'm going to try to get a copy of the Trinity hymnal to all of you um, who may need one or want one, as well as a copy of next month's um, Table Talk magazine. Um, today, uh, probably around 4.30 or so, uh, we're going to have the opportunity for those of us who are available and uh, can uh, get together uh, via a video conference call using Zoom. I'll send out an uh, email um, earlier in the afternoon with details and how to uh, join with everyone around 4.30 this afternoon from anyone um, who could make it. Well, um, if you would, please join me uh, as we pray uh, to begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, being uh, with your people, for your promise uh, to never leave us or forsake us. We pray, Father, that you would uh, strengthen us through your word and by your spirit today. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Well, today, uh, as you read, we're starting a new series called Our Only comfort, our only comfort. It's um, a new series. Um, it's a series, I believe, that's been dictated by the circumstances around us. Um, we're going to take a pause in our series from Acts, and we're going to spend uh, the next few weeks um, in uh, using the Heidelberg uh, Catechism's question and answer one to orient us and to anchor us um, in God's Word. Now, you know, every few weeks or so, uh, for our Confession of Faith, we do use the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, the first question, sometimes the first and the second question. Uh, I think most of us are familiar with it, um, but we're going to camp out there, and we're going to stay there, and we're going to um, drill down deep in uh, various aspects of not only the question, uh, but the answer as well. We're not just going to pass by it. Uh, we're going to stay here for a while. Let me just uh, read the question and answer um, for us all. Now, the question is this, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Now, this is the question that is being asked and the question that is being answered right now. It's probably not being asked so much deliberately and out loud, but most certainly we're all answering it one way or another in our own hearts, in the privacy of our own thoughts. I woke up early Saturday morning, early yesterday morning, uh, 
And this is where I was when I woke up. Scared. Worried. Anxious. Fearful. That lasted for about 30 minutes. But sometime 30 minutes after I got up, for some reason, my mind went to Heidelberg Catechism question and answer one. And as soon as I started thinking about that question and that answer and all of the scriptural truth that's embodied there, I changed. I moved out of that place. I relocated. I think it goes without saying that we're all in a difficult place right now. Not only us here at Grace and Peace, but our families, our friends, our neighbors, our communities. Um, difficult times strip away the unimportant and trivial, and they reveal what's most important and crucial. I think uh, many of us, and, and I do this all the time, uh, we ask this common question. How are you doing? I ask it all the time. How are you doing? But you know, what is most common is not necessarily what is most important. Here, this question that you've already heard that we're going to be thinking about in the coming days and weeks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Well, first, just a few brief words about the Heidelberg Catechism written in 1563, uh, coming out of the town of Heidelberg, Germany. It's a doctrinal uh, standard for many Reformed churches. It's one of the three forms of unity that a number of Reformed churches use. And it was written, think about this, it was written in the 16th century, a time of plague, a time of pestilence, a time of hardship, a time of poverty, a time of want, a time of war, a time of disruption, Life was not easy. Life was hard. And in that environment, in that environment, an environment where life expectancy, I believe I read, uh, one out of two children born did not live to the age of two. Life expectancy was much less than it is today. That was the cradle of the Heidelberg Catechism. Now, the Heidelberg Catechism calls us to take it personally. Now, what do I mean? Did you notice that the question is asked in the second person? What is your only comfort in life and death? And yet the answer, the answer is given in the first person. It's almost an autobiography that I am not my own. I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, the Heidelberg Catechism speaks to you as you speak the Heidelberg Catechism. Now, we're all familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, a, a wonderful uh, confession of faith, a wonderful creed. Uh, and, and, and the Westminster Shorter Catechism begins with God's glory. What is the chief end of man? A great place to start. But the Heidelberg Catechism here begins with God's grace. My friends, what two better words could these begin with? God's glory and God's grace. Those of you that were with us for our series in Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians, may remember 
the time uh, when we spent in in second uh, excuse me Galatians two twenty where we we recognize that you have to take justification by faith personally. It's not just a doctrine out there. It's doctrine for life in here. And remember, these are the words of Paul, the Apostle Paul, a man committed to the truth of God's word, to uh, the truth of doctrine for the good of God's people, for his church. This is what Paul said. I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow, can you hear the echo there of Heidelberg Catechism 1 and Paul's declaration of his taking justification by faith in Christ alone personally? The Heidelberg Catechism and the most important question. For those of you familiar with the Catechism, it's 129 questions and answers. It's organized, really, in a great way for churches to teach doctrine in 52 sections for uh, 52 Lord's Day of the Year. 129 questions in 52 sections. But I believe you can boil the entire Catechism down to this first question as it serves to orient and organize the rest of the catechism. You know, we're familiar with the larger catechism, 196 questions. We're familiar with the shorter catechism, 107 questions. And you remember from our um, gospel according to Mark, it was the shortest catechism. It was three questions and answers. Who is Jesus? What did Jesus come to do? And how should someone respond to the person and work of Jesus. But here, it's one question. And in fact, it would be really the shortest catechism by far. Remember from our study in Mark, the Bible's most important question. Remember Peter and the other disciples were with Jesus, and Jesus said first, who do people say that I am? And Peter, uh, speaking for the rest of the disciples, responded, with some good answers of what people were saying about who Jesus was. But then Jesus asked this question to Peter. But who do you say that I am? As we may remember, that that is the most important question that you and I get. It, it, It comes from Scripture. It comes from Jesus. Who do you say that I am. And it's a question that all of us have got to face sooner or later. Well, in so much that creeds and confessions are faithful and accurate summaries of the teaching of Scripture, then Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, rightly can be viewed, I believe, as the most important question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Well, for the next few minutes, we're going to explore two topics briefly. The first is, is that there is only one question that needs to be asked. And the second is that for the Christian, there is only one answer. And so let's begin with the one and only question. Only one question. What is your only comfort in life 
and in death. As I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a question that must be asked, and it is a question that is being answered right now by everyone, one way or another. Everyone is finding comfort, security, safety, confidence, hope in something or someone. Now let's think about the word comfort. As you may have read uh, in the email um, and the preparation for um, today, uh, comfort doesn't mean comfortable like we would think. Uh, no, it means, if you look at the original German and the translated Latin, it means consolation, solace, hope. I think the best way to think of it, as you've heard me say upon occasion, when we get ready for our confession of faith in the worship service, it, it is security. What is your only security in life and in death? Now, if comfort means comfortable, I mean, think comfort food, think a comforter on your bed. If comfort means comfortable, then there are many things in which we uh, may find comfort. However, if comfort means security, and of course here it does, and that being ultimate security, there's only one place it can be found. Notice the, the question is not, what is your comfort in life and death? That's a great question, but no, this word that before only is important. What is your only comfort? I think most of us uh, like to say this, ask this question, what are my options? What are my options? Uh, I mean, this day and age, I mean, isn't it with the smartphone, more options. Uh, with social media, more options. I mean, go to a, a restaurant. Uh, I mean, can you even, do you even have time to listen to the menu? More options. Uh, go to the grocery store. Uh, growing up, I had a few options for cereal. Now, hundreds. I mean, we are living in the day and age of options. And one of our favorite questions is, what are my options? And here's the answer the Heidelberg Catechism gives us. Because in that, the Heidelberg Catechism is a faithful summary of the teaching of Scripture. The Heidelberg Catechism says this, there are no options. And yet, don't we seek our security in things like possessions, what we own, even what we rent, what we borrow, our possessions, um, our power, our, our power that we exercise over people at, at work, in the home, amongst friendships. We, we place trust and hope and security in power. Or what about position? You know, if, if, we, if we get that position, then we're safe and secure. You know, I think even though we're living in a post-Christian culture and, and, and time and place, I think there are many people still out there that, that like Jesus. You know, he makes a nice addition to life. Jesus plus something. Ask yourself this question right now. Is, are you a Jesus plus fill in the blank? Or, like me, are you coming to the point through the circumstances of life that uh, 
really, indeed, it's Jesus plus nothing. He is our only comfort in, in life and in death. The, the catechism is helping us to see that it's, it's the security here and now, as well as there and then, security in the already and security in the not yet. The, the catechism is utterly realistic. It pulls no punches. It avoids nothing. We read in Hebrews 9, it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. My friends, why am I thinking about death right now? Why maybe you are thinking about death? Well, of course, we all know that people who are born, apart from Jesus returning, do die. Everyone. Uh, The mortality rate is eventually 100%. And we may be in a time and a place of heightened mortality. Death, for many of us, is going to be a little bit more front and center than I think it's been for us in a long, long time. And so here's this question. In view of that, what enables you to endure life and face death unafraid? without fear. Death, as we've said before in some sermons when we've had to address that, death is the great unmentionable. It's the great inevitable. Uh, Muhammad Ali, you may remember, said, I'm scared of nothing but death. Another well-known, I believe, entertainment figure said, uh, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. So death may be the great unmentionable, but it's also the great inevitable. And we have two general strategies to deal with death. We either deny it or we make light of it. We sentimentalize it. I can't pronounce that, but you know, we make it sentimental. How's that? Some of you have heard of uh, Samuel Johnson, the uh, 18th um, century English writer, poet, is a man of letters, contributed much to English literature. Um, In uh, one of his most well-known statements um, that his autobiographer uh, recorded was this. I believe he made it in uh, 1777, uh, uh, thinking about the upcoming uh, trial and execution of a, a public figure there in England. He said this, Depend upon it, sir, When a man knows he is to be hanged in a fortnight, it concentrates his mind wonderfully. Isn't that interesting? The more we look death in the face and recognize it, that it's inevitable, it really does help us live well now. It helps us live right now. You see, Scripture pulls no punches. Death is clear in scripture and thinking about that the reality of death does indeed concentrate our minds focuses our hearts indeed on christ who has victory over sin and death now the question has been asked that being 
What is my only comfort in life and in death? And that question has only one correct answer. Kids, you know those multiple choice questions where you fill in A, B, C, D, you choose it. There's really only one answer uh, for the Christian. It's actually, in one sense, an easy test. You, You see one blank. You fill it in. And the one answer is this, put very simply, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Now, the question of what is your only comfort is addressed by several people in Scripture. Uh, Let's think about, first of all, questions that Jesus asked and statements that Jesus made. If you read the Gospels, you will notice Jesus asked a lot of questions. He asked a lot of questions about life, and he asked a lot of questions about himself. Put very clearly when he addressed Peter in Mark 8, who do you say that I am? And the answers to many of his questions forced people to make a decision about him. A long time ago, we had a series, uh, I Am, Jesus, in his own words, about the seven I Am statements in John's gospel. All of those statements forced people to either believe Jesus or not believe Jesus, to either take him at his word or discount his word. Here is one that I think many of us may be familiar. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The night before he was crucified, Jesus was with his disciples and he he taught them and then he enabled them to listen in on his prayer to his father known as the high priestly prayer. And right before his prayer, his last teaching as it was, was this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, the context, of course, is Jesus' impending uh, crucifixion, and he even says at that time that you will all be scattered to your own homes. Sound familiar? The context is different, but the principle is the same. In me, Jesus says, you'll have peace. It's in me that a fear and anxiety and worry just can't coexist with Jesus. In the world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. You will have difficulty, trials. You may be isolated in your home. You may not be able to go to work or to go to school. My friends, We are in a time of difficulty, of trials and trouble. And these words of Jesus, in me, you may have peace. I have overcome the world. Well, let's move on to somewhere where we've been not too long ago in the book of Acts. Let's consider the apostle Peter. You know, Jesus 
brings it all back to him. Who do you say that I am? And Peter finally got the message. You know the story of Peter denying Jesus, being restored by Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming on the apostles, Peter becoming a, as it were, new man. He and John were called before the council in Jerusalem. We read this in in, uh, Acts 4, the religious leaders, the same ones that had been involved in in the, the, the uh, sham trial of Jesus. And this is how Peter answers that crowd. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which me, we must be saved. Peter got the message. Peter got Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, centuries before it was written. There's salvation in no one else, no other option, no other security, no other hope, no other confidence. That's Peter. Well, remember, Acts can be looked at as Peter's ministry and Paul's ministry. Let's let's move on to Paul's ministry. Uh, uh, The Pharisee Saul who meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life changes. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were with Paul and Barnabas in Antioch of Pisidia, where he was preaching in the synagogue in Acts 13. And remember, here's what verses 38 and 39 say. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. You know, Peter says salvation in no one else. And Paul says, through this man and by him, no other options, no other answer. Now, we've heard Jesus a bit, the questions he asked, the statements he makes. We've considered what Peter says, what Paul says, but you know what? This is a question that's, got to also be answered by you, by me, by all of us. You know, we've got some great hymns that we sing out of the Trinity hymnal, out of hymns modern and ancient and and other places. And uh, I just want you to hear some familiar verses that um, we sung over the last few years. You'll recognize, I think, the titles by just a couple of excerpts that I'll read. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, When fears are stilled, when strivings cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. 
No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Another hymn that we sing the last two verses in like this. Now all I know is grace. My only boast is you. Hallelujah, the chorus goes. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus is my life. My friends, we've all sung those hymns. Our lips, my lips have moved. Has your heart moved along with your lips? Is your hope, is your security found in Christ? Only in Christ. In Christ alone. I think a lot of what we may be having had is being taken away. But if you can sing, all I have is Christ, it cannot be taken away. People are going to lose jobs. People are losing education forms that they once had. People are losing businesses. Um, life is going to change. But Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. He rules. He reigns. God is great and God is good. My friends, in a world of trials, trouble, and difficulty, in the first century, Paul wrote this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, un that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. My friends, just the next chapter, Paul sums it up well. We walk by faith, not by sight. So for the next few weeks, the Heidelberg Catechism's first question and answer is going to orient us. It's going to anchor us. It's going to help us be fixed to God's word. It's you know, it's like home base. Um, I, I love those kids' games where there's always a safe place to go. There's the tree in the middle of the capture the flag battlefield where you can be safe. Nobody can grab you if you get home. That's where we're going to be. Um, in the Navy, there was an expression uh, that comes actually from a nautical term, uh, lose the bubble. Uh, the, the Heidelberg Catechism is going to help us not lose the bubble. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it means not, uh, be, losing the bubble means being confused, losing track of what's happening. And it comes from a, a sextant that we use in celestial navigation that, that there's a bubble that lets you know the sextant is level because it's got to be level in order to make a proper sighting. So my friends, the days ahead 
We may lose the bubble every now and then, but God's word, as we see the Heidelberg Catechism grounding us, orienting us, uh, uh, anchoring us, it's going to help us not lose the bubble. Well, earlier I mentioned we needed to take this personally, but you know what? We also need to take this corporately. That's the title of the series, Our Only Comfort. Now, although it's a bit hard for me to admit, I'm actually glad I woke up yesterday morning uh, not just a bit fearful, but really fearful. You know what? Having had that happen, I hope and pray that it's going to help me be a bit more patient with others, a bit more compassionate with others, a bit more understanding of the fears and anxieties that many close to us and around us will have in our families, in this church, in our community. So while it is absolutely important, essential for us to be able to say, my only comfort, it's also going to be so very important to say, our only comfort. In other words, friends, we've got to take this corporately in addition to personally. Uh, If ever there's a time to encourage one another, It's now. If there's ever been a time to pray for one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to care for one another, it's now. And interestingly, duh, we're apart. And I think it gives us clarity on our responsibilities. We've got to take it corporately. Well, Heidelberg Catechism question and answer one um, It's not that many words, but I think I can sum it up in nine words. What is your only comfort? I belong to Jesus. Let's end by listening to these words from hymn 129 in the Trinity hymnal. Hymn 129 in the Trinity hymnal. You know, we could have sung this today, but of course it didn't come to be until just... uh, a little while ago. I belong to Jesus. I am not my own. All I have and all I am shall be his alone. I belong to Jesus. He is Lord and King, reigning in my inmost heart over everything. I belong to Jesus. Blessed, blessed thought. With his own most precious blood, Has my soul been bought? I belong to Jesus. He has died for me. I am his and he is mine through eternity. I belong to Jesus. He will keep my soul when the deathly waters dark round about me roll. I belong to Jesus and ere long I'll stand with my precious Savior there in the glory land. My friends, at Grace and Peace, let's remember these words from Jesus. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
And these words from the author of the letter to the Hebrews, who says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. My friends, indeed, may we all worship God and rest in him today and always. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that it is indeed by your grace that we are even able to answer this question. This question that asks, what is our only comfort in life and in death? Oh, Father, it's only your grace that enables us to say that we are not our own, but we belong body and soul in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, may your word and spirit anchor us. May your word and spirit orient us in the coming days. Father, we thank you that our true comfort, our true and ultimate security and satisfaction is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Father, make that clear, all the more clear to your people in the coming days. Help us to take this personally, and oh Lord, help us to take this corporately. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake and glory. Amen.